Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Analytical and creative aspects of our thinking. 
I affirm good health for us all. So uh, basically, and that reflection pretty much explains uh, what we've been called to do from our youth and um, probably till the, uh, till the end of our lives, we will be dedicated to, to presenting cutting-edge research and studies uh, to those listening and those who might want to move forward in a more creative way concerning their health. That is awesome. That is an awesome uh, purpose and powerfully uh, stated. Um, how did you first uh, um, get attracted to the concept of uh, um, spirituality and health? Because you've combined the two uh, very closely. Uh, well, as well I as think... brain science, which is awesome. Thank you so much. I, I know you're also interested in these uh, yeah. fields of exploration. I think the passion for the arcane uh, knowledge and the wisdom in our wisdom came at a very young age. I think within all of us, there is a passion for arcane knowledge. Uh, not everyone will pursue that passion. I think uh, when we're young, that passion is more obvious because the channels to the right hemisphere of the mind uh, where the invisible world speaks are still wide open and receptive. So for me, it came from both my grandfather and my father. My father, back in the very early 60s, used to discuss vitamin therapy. Didn't know a lot about it, but he was interested in it. I remember vividly there was always a bottle of vitamin C in the medicine cabinet. As a little boy, somehow, whatever spoke to me, I always took notice of that. And there was also a bottle of uh, multivitamins. And I'd say this is maybe 1962, 63, somewhere in there. My father was also very much uh, interested in the paranormal. And he worked nights. He was a very hardworking man. He did factory work his whole life. And I remember him coming home with magazines such as Fate, uh, Argosy, True Magazine. Mm -hmm. They were venture magazines. And those magazines were chock full of articles concerning the Yeti, UFOs were in abundance in these magazines. And me and my brother couldn't get enough of this. <laughs> I mean, we just, uh, he would leave them on the coffee table. And of course, we would um, uh, fervently flip through these magazines and read the articles. And that was really where my inspiration came from, from my father and my his father, my grandfather, also had a keen interest in the paranormal. Where they developed this interest uh, in the arcane uh, uh, world, if you will, I could not tell you. I could not tell you because they came from fairly strict Catholic backgrounds. But both my grandfather and my father had a keen interest in both holistic natural therapy. My father was mostly in that area. And the invisible world, the spiritual world, if you will, which went beyond uh, a traditional um, doctrinal religion into what is commonly referred to as a paranormal. So for me, that's where the influences came as of at a very young age. With your brother as well, he was uh, an artist, and his art is on par with any uh, cosmic art that I, I've ever uh, seen. Uh, so uh, his art is almost shamanic. Uh, in its expression and so he was uh, definitely influenced by the same things he certainly was and I know he's listening and he's very grateful for your praise uh, yeah his art is just beyond extraordinary he actually started his art journey if you will sketching from the comic books uh, mostly Marvel you know that's where mm -hmm. he learned his, uh, his uh, style and techniques at that time but the cosmic work, the, 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 the uh, galactic landscapes, if you will, that, that inspiration came from Dr. Strange. Uh, I don't know if you've read the strip Dr. Strange at all or if yeah. you're familiar with it. Yeah, well, that, that was, that, uh, that, that was uh, it for him. That took him beyond the scope of the third dimension well into fourth, fifth, and sixth dimensions. And he loved the way Steve Ditko drew the various uh, dimensions and what have you, Dr. Strange would traverse and f he, uh, Dr. Strange would battle these evildoers from the, these various dimensions. 
And uh, that's that was his inspiration. There was no stopping him from there. He just couldn't get enough of it. And he thought Ditko's art style was just you know, out of this world, which it was. It was. It if is, you go yeah. back and look, uh, somebody, it was extraordinary. So that's where he his influences came. And he went past those influences and developed his own unique uh, style and his own way of uh, uh, portraying the, the realms beyond the ones uh, that we know in the waking reality uh, that's just one channel in a, a vast network of realities. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, that, 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 that calling, that calling to the, uh, our, that calling to the arcane knowledge, if you will, that, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just never ending. And the wide scope of it, you know, whether, whether it be the paranormal or UFOs, I remember from there, from those early days, uh, we began our own UFO group. And we published our own, mimeographed our own uh, UFO magazine called Flying Saucers Unlimited. And uh, we, we uh, passed it along to our friends who couldn't be, some of which couldn't be less interested, but they became interested. Right. And uh, my brother did the artwork. I did the composition. And uh, I wish I had an issue around today, but I don't because when we moved, unfortunately, from uh, – Nutley to East Rutherford at the time. Uh, we left a lot of this stuff in the basement, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, now lurking somewhere in eternity. I'm afraid, but uh, we had our own UFO group, and it was it was the sky was the limit from there in terms of our interest in both the unseen world and uh, and uh, the th- our adventures in the third dimension, if you will, in terms of. Uh, art and comic characters and uh, communing and and communicating with other other artists and writers, so that's where it, where it all began for us. I have to invite you to some of my uh, comic book themed uh, groups on uh, Facebook. Uh, I have one dedicated to the Eternals. I have another one, uh, Marvel's Hercules. I have DC's Hercules. So I'll invite you. To, I know you belong to a lot of my groups. I, I don't know if you're in those, but if not, I will invite you. Well, that's great. I would like to know uh, what is there a difference between because I'm not familiar with the DC version of Hercules. Can you give some background on that at all? Can can you sure. educate me in that area? There there are several uh, versions of the DC uh, Hercules. Marvel is fairly consistent. They're not totally consistent, and they have mm-hmm. different. Variations, but DC is not consistent uh, at all. Uh, there, Hercules is more a rogue than a hero. So sometimes he can act uh, heroically, and sometimes he can act uh, villainously. And uh, depending on who's uh, writing the story, he's either a hero or a villain. Uh, he's there in the earliest Wonder Woman stories, which sprang from his ninth labor, where he went to get the belt of Hippolyta uh, to bring back to uh, Ebristeos. So uh, mm-hmm. that's the story that gave birth to the DC's uh, uh, Greek mythology uh, universe. And uh, DC tends to focus on Greek mythology, uh, and it has the other mythologies uh, within it, but it's, it's mostly Greek mythology-based, whereas Marvel focuses more on Norse mythology, although it does have the other mythologies uh, um, in its uh, greater uh, mythos. So... Um, I, they've done some wonderful things with Hercules in DC, and we have an episode dedicated to that this Sunday. Um, and uh, one of the ones I enjoyed the most was Hercules Unbound, which was a post-apocalyptic tale uh, mm-hmm. where a heroic version of the, the Hercules was tied to a rock uh, by Ares, and it was hidden uh, until after the apocalypse. And he meets some companions and he meets a lot of the Marvel uh, characters like uh, Kamandi and uh, the Atomic Knights uh, while he's trying to make sense of uh, what happened and he finds uh, that uh, something happened to the gods and uh, they they were um, separated from the shadowy aspects and that caused problems and uh, over the course of 13 or so issues uh, um, that story unfolded um, and uh, it has been reprinted several uh, times in several different ways, and they're reprinting it again now in color. 
Uh, I have the originals, um, and uh, um, they occasionally bring him back. But they killed Hercules very quickly in the last two incarnations. In in the new 52, uh, they killed Mm -hmm. him after a couple of issues. He was in the underworld fighting for thousands of years, and he'd gone insane while grappling with uh, uh, the terror that he was fighting. And in their rebirth Mm -hmm. uh, universe, um, which is, I, I believe they're still on the rebirth. Uh, they had him in his more heroic aspect as uh, the tutor uh, and mentor of Jason, who in this story was Wonder Woman's uh, lost uh, brother. And, uh, Fascinating. And killed after a couple of issues, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, they used the more heroic aspect uh, of him. So um, then there, there, of course, tales where Hercules uh, um, was actually Superman, uh, or Superman was Hercules in some of the stories, you know, and, and they've had him come back uh, um, and interact with uh, Superman when Superman wasn't uh, him or he wasn't uh, Superman. So uh, it, it can get quite complicated. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this can, this can get quite complicated in terms of uh, yeah. what DC is doing. Am I right? Yes, yeah, even with uh, Marvel, um, I, I, recently uh, got two uh, books. One was called The uh, History of the Marvel Universe, and the other one is a book on uh, myths in the Marvel Universe. And it seems that they have so much information that they did something very similar to what the ancient theosophies did, was try to mm-hmm. fit it all together into a much bigger picture. And in mm-hmm. reading the things, uh, which were told pictorially in, in lesser or greater degree, uh, I thought of the old texts I'd studied the, during the Hellenistic era, where they took all the mm-hmm. world's religions at the time and their mythologies, and they they wove them in with uh, abstract beings and before creation. And you know, so Marvels uh, has so much information, so many stories now that they're kind of doing the same thing. So it's very fascinating. Yeah, it's an an explosion of uh, imaginative thought, to say the least. Yeah. I will have to catch up. Uh, I'm totally out of touch in that area, but I'm definitely going to have to visit my comic store and catch up with some of these things. Yeah, Hercules is now back. Uh, There is one version of him in uh, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy currently, and then Mm -hmm. there's another version of him uh, in a futuristic uh, tale of the origins of Maestro, who's like the Hulk of the future. So uh, I see. Uh, <laughs> Hercules has seemed very, very different. Uh, so I'm sure they mm-hmm. have alternate realities. And uh, Marvel has had a, a, a slew of uh, alternate reality uh, conflicts. So uh, they've shuffled their realities. <laughs> I still can't make sense at all of it either because I only follow certain uh, heroes or certain titles. Mm-hmm. And it's been reduced mm-hmm. over time. So right now I'm just focusing on uh, Hercules and Conan, basically. Um, All right. So I missed a lot. I used to enjoy the Conan. I'm sure you remember these back in, well, I think they were still publishing back in the 80s. I do have a pile of them downstairs in plastic bags. I haven't looked at them in a while. The uh, Conan magazines in black and white, they were eight and a half by 11. Do you remember yeah, those? Yeah, the Savage uh, Sword. Uh, do you have any of those? Oh, I have the whole run. I'm missing, I think, a handful of them that got lost in one of the moves. Uh, uh, between mm-hmm. issues 1 and 30, I believe I'm missing nine of them. Uh, I have all the rest from beginning to end and every other iteration of them. Uh, I also am missing only a handful of the original comics. Uh, fortunately, I, I got what I'm missing in reprints, so I still have all the stories intact. But uh, I was a very big Conan fan for very many uh, years. I don't particularly care for what they're doing with him now, but that's happened before, and uh, I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also a big Conan fan, and uh, I have the black and whites, but unfortunately, uh, I don't have uh, the expansive collection that you do. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm missing quite a few, but uh, I, every month I, I couldn't wait to get to the store and purchase my copy because I thought it was so superbly done in every way. Yes, most certainly so, and we're going to be doing more episodes on comics, so you and I will will have conversations about uh, those um, in the very near uh, future. Uh, But Mm -hmm. for 
say before we conclude, uh, I love what you call your initiative, Bold Spirits Holistic Concepts. How did that name mm-hmm. come about? That, that's very powerful. I think that name came uh, because, again, our, my interest in the arcane knowledge and mm-hmm. the unseen, the uh, knowledge that was reserved only to a few, whether it be the mystery schools, uh, uh, U, the UFO phenomena. Uh, uh, to me, it applied to that, to that search, to that adventure, to be a bold spirit, to go where few are going. As you do with your with the pathways you've opened to the many researchers and uh, uh, exciting adventurers, if you will, into these areas, you have opened that pathway to your uh, with your programs and podcasts, and that's where the bold spirits came in. I felt that it doesn't take it doesn't need take a bold spirit to venture into that realm where we seek that hidden knowledge, that those places where few go. Uh, I think the the, the, the the voice calls to everyone. The voice calls to everyone. But only yeah. those with a true Olympian heart venture further into the unknown to seek and take hold of arcane knowledge. And that's why I term what we do bold spirits. Because I think even today with the virus and everything, and as you know, for the last seven months now, I've been... Uh, I've been uh, um, aggressively sending the message home that uh, part of uh, there's another option here and that's in our nutritional therapy and I still think till today while thousands are aware of it thousands are partaking in it doctors and uh, medical researchers are talking about it but not on mainstream media Uh, that takes somewhat of a bold spirit to venture into that area because it's still for most it's it's an untouchable subject, especially those with medical licenses. I'm sorry to say, uh, because they fear the FDA, they fear they may uh, tread in in uh, deeper waters than they would like to be in. And uh, in fact, the CDC Center of Disease Control last week, and you can get this video on uh, YouTube. The CDC is now urging good nutrition to fight and 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 prevent. COVID-19, there is a video, and uh, the host mentions vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc. That's that's a real breakthrough. Uh, so I think it takes a bold spirit to venture into all of these areas. The areas you venture in, your guests, your Olympian family, that's why I call what I do bold spirits. And before we uh, wrap up for today, um, I want to thank you uh, for being so generous with uh, your time and with your experience and with your knowledge. Currently, uh, to the best of my understanding, you're sharing your journey through your writings, uh, through your presence on uh, Facebook, through your podcast, mm-hmm. and also through um, your ministry. Yes, I am a, I am a minister in the, the Christian denomination. However, uh, my my calling is to Christ consciousness, mm-hmm. and you know uh, Christ means the Anointed One. That's from the Greek, as you probably know. Yeah. Uh, and I believe at the end of the day, the Anointed One, the Anointed Consciousness, is really permeates all religions. It may be called different things, and we respect all of the uh, laws, bylaws, and uh, and and theories of other doctrines, if you will. But my calling is to Christ consciousness, so I, I, I don't uh, tie myself to any one denomination. My calling is to the Christ mind and all that it entails. That's part of the, my spiritual calling, if you will. And I believe what Christ wanted us to do, to bring peace, tranquility, and understanding, is to think through integrated mind, melding the two hemispheres of the mind and knowing how to shift from one hemisphere to another to achieve greater understanding in this lifetime. That's what I think Christ wanted us to do. And so we have a chart, and we share uh, bicameral thinking whenever we can. And I'm very blessed to know you and for us to be on this uh, path that intersects a lot. And uh, today you touched upon uh, many of the topics we've talked about and others that we've yet to talk about. So I'm looking forward to all of those. 
Um, Michael, how can people get in contact with you and, and how can they uh, find their way to your writings? Well, they could write to me at uh, Michael Dorossi, Post Office Box 129, Caldwell, New Jersey, 0706. It's uh, Post Office Box 129, Caldwell, New Jersey, 0706. I have a, a, a collection of poetry and art called One Passion Beyond, which definitely has metaphysical and uh, spiritual influences, and I think uh, they'll enjoy it. That's $10 a copy. And then I have my Creative Wellness Manual, which is a superb, superb foundation uh, dealing with diet and non-toxic, ther non-toxic therapies. That's a $3 donation. And uh, when they write to me and they're dealing with a specific chronic illness or issue, I will pray with them. Uh, I will offer focus prayer and also counsel with them in terms of the condition itself. That's free of charge for as long as it takes. Thank you so very much. Um, it, what you do is awesome, and I'm glad to call you friend, and uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you, and I'm very blessed to be here, and thank you for the opportunity. And Michael, I must let our audience know, uh, has his uh, podcast on uh, Mount Olympus, and he's also a frequent guest on our other uh, podcast. So uh, by listening in, you can get to know Michael uh, a lot better. Uh, we're going to take a very brief break, and then we'll be back with uh, part two, where we're going to speak with uh, Ryan Foley. So we will play the song Evolve.
Olympus broadcasting today from CERN. I am Hercules Invictus, and I'm here to declare that the age of the victim is finally over and the age of heroes has begun. The way of the hero posits that one must utilize one's individual strengths to make one's world a better place. One need not be perfect or operating from ideal circumstances either. Are not the heroes that inspire us often tragically flawed? Are their lives not in a state of flux and full of uncertainty? Does this prevent them from attempting and accomplishing great things? Of course not. Our Age of Heroes initiatives have harnessed the creative energy and focused the attention of many heroic individuals with radically diverse backgrounds over the years, directing toward improving the collective quality of human life. The Age of Heroes welcomes secular, interfaith, and interfaith participation. Now, on the second uh, part of our Tenafly Mayor's Wellness Campaign special episode, I am greatly honored to reintroduce uh, Ryan Foley, uh, who has given us many things, uh, including the Phoenix Protocols and Fury and Strength. Greetings and welcome, Ryan. How are you? I am doing good. In the issue of, of full disclosure, I just want to say that I am... Uh, battling just a little bit of uh, of a respiratory issue. I'm fine. Uh, I'm 99% certain it's not COVID, uh, but every once in a while, I'm, uh, you may hear me go muted, so that way I'm not coughing directly into the microphone and blowing out the speakers of your of your listeners. But I, but I'm good, sir. How are you? I, I'm glad that uh, it's nothing serious. Uh, I also my allergies have been acting up, <laughs> and uh, I know that people are very concerned. You know, if they hear you coughing or sneezing, uh, so I've been staying home more so than usual, and I wasn't going out very much before. But I'm doing that, you know, basically again. I, I don't want people uh, uh, getting upset over it. But my allergies always act up uh, this time of year, so. Uh, um, you know, so I'll, I'll be sniffling and perhaps occasionally sneezing and coughing as well. Well, I'll, I'll try to hold it down to a minimum. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, you are a very heroic uh, individual. You're, you've uh, uh, drunk from the deep waters of our collective unconscious and you've given new shape to myths. Uh, you've participated in the formation of some of our culture's uh, myths. Um, that arose from um, the modern-day mythic imagination, and uh, you're dedicated to uh, bodybuilding, and you've been phenomenally generous uh, in sharing your path and uh, progress through uh, um, a blog, uh, through a document, uh, through your podcast, and I'm I'm sure I can see you when you're at the gym with other people uh, taking a personal interest in what they're doing and giving them uh, pointers as well. So I want to thank you for your for your generosity. Uh, thank you very much, and and I really do appreciate it. It's it's kind of one of those things that uh, what developed out of this and and where it originated from. It took me in a very different direction that I, quite frankly, wasn't prepared for uh, emotionally and, and mentally whenever I started on this journey. And so that's why I think it's been so important for me to go through and, and explain the journey that I've been on. So that way, hopefully, people can come away with it. it it's, it's hard for me to use inspirational uh, as a as a as a descriptor for what I'm doing because I I personally and and I, I do thank you very much for your praise but I don't consider myself to be 
uh, tremendously special or, or, or tremendously gifted. It's just been a thing where I've uh, been on this journey for so long. I'm able to look back with a certain amount of wisdom that I wish I would have had whenever I first got started in this journey. So for listeners that are, are not familiar with me, and I'm, I'm very happy to, to be presented into this new, um, to this new audience, uh, quite frankly, um, I was not in a very good place, I'm going to say, uh, roughly going on a, a, about six years now, uh, just uh, because of things that were happening within my personal life, and then you know, just the fact that I'm growing older, that I was a parent. Uh, quite frankly, I was overweight. I was obese. And sometimes you come along and you come to this moment where you decide, I just don't want to be like this anymore. And so this is fueled by the fact that I was born in 1974. So I was, was coming up and raised during this time where the action hero had really started to evolve. This is mm-hmm. where names like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, uh, these uh, physical specimens were starting to dominate the film screen. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I was reading uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, and he was talking about how, you know, really before he came onto the scene, uh, the, the big action heroes would have been people like, you know, Burt Reynolds and, and, yes. uh, and, and even Dustin Hoffman, you know, to, to an extent. Uh, so then he comes along, and it's and now there had been some that had done many of the the films that have inspired you, you know the Steve Reeves, the you know the um, the, the bodybuilders that embodied the, the Herculean type physique, but Schwarzenegger was really one of the first ones to come along and and really bring it mainstream, and yeah. so then when you combine this with my love of comic books. Uh, which go all the way back, and, and those are certainly mythical forms uh, when it comes to physicality. The characters uh, such as you know Superman and Wolverine, you have these these warriors, uh, and then the fact that I'm raised on things like GI Joe, you know, so it's uh, you uh-huh. know, a lot of military heroes, stuff like that. So I've always been inspired. I've always I've always admired the male physique. Uh, I, I certainly love the female physique as well, but for very different reasons. But I, I appreciate the power and the strength that comes from uh, from the athletic form. And so whenever I was in high school, I played football, uh, but our weightlifting strategies were more designed to develop raw power. Uh, it, was, mm-hmm. it was all about shoving around, you know, uh, uh, opponents. So it was less about bodybuilding. And, and so as I started to, to delve in uh, to this realm of bodybuilding, knowing that it's created such greats as Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Lou Ferrigno, you know, I didn't understand that there was a legit science and, and a difference between weightlifting and bodybuilding. And so bodybuilding, it, the, the difference is, so with weightlifting, in, in the most broad and, and general terms, let's say you're a football player and you're wanting to shove your opponents around, you're trying to build mass and you're trying to build strength. And in order to do that, it requires a lot of heavy lifting. And I think this is what a lot of people probably translate bodybuilding being the same thing, when in fact, it's a very different style of science. And, and I think if you were to explain the science of it, people wouldn't be as intimidated by it. And so right. by going through and studying that science, I think a lot of people are under the impression that I'm attempting to that, that I'm going through and I'm just slinging massive amount of weight around and really that's not the case because like so many people uh, I'm still concerned about uh, being overweight and and having um, a too high of, of a body mass index. So what I'm attempting to do through my training is to go through and preserve things like my my shoulder carriage. I, I want to continue. I want to keep my chest. I just really want to get rid of my tummy, and so that's arguably one of the hardest things that you can do because you have to still continue to eat in order to you know maintain your muscle mass while at the same time trying to get rid of of that uh, of the fat basically. Right. So in order to do that, I engage my muscles for a very long time by actually lifting lighter weights. So instead of only doing reps of three to five, my rep range is extremely high. And in order to do that, you reduce the amount of weight that you do. So I think to someone that might be 
uh, uneducated, they may look at me only bench pressing, you know, a small amount of weight and dismiss what I'm doing, but because they're not sitting there and paying attention to the fact that I'm putting up, you know, 20 to 25 reps, as opposed to someone that's just lifting it, you know, five, six or, or eight times. So by engaging in this type of, of bodybuilding exercises, the, and, and the other thing that, uh, that's very important is that you're working all of your different muscle systems. I think this right. is the reason why you'll, you'll see people, uh, they talk about their splits where they go through and, the, and they chop their workouts up. Uh, and, you know, today I'm doing shoulders. Well, so you just do one set of exercises and you're done? And, well, no, not really because the shoulder has three different deltoids. And each one of those deltoids need to be individually stimulated, so that way you're building these nice, round, developed shoulders. So mm-hmm. you're working out all these different, you know, uh, you're, do, you're performing a variety of these different exercises, so that way everything is developed in, in muscle symmetry. And so by doing this, and by doing this resistance training, what the scientists have found is that every single sport can actually benefit from this style of resistance training. So if you're a football player, if you're a basketball player, if you're a baseball player, it doesn't matter, swimmer, cyclist, runner, every sport benefits from using this this resistance style of training. And so that's why you're seeing more and more people make their way into the gyms uh, in order to develop themselves physically. I've been, uh, I experiment a lot as do you, and I find things that work for me that a lot of people raise their eyebrows at as well. But if something works, you know, I believe you should uh, stick with it until it no longer works as well. And then, you know, experiment uh, some more. Uh, I found great success with something called the X3 bar. And uh, it was uh, created by somebody who had, invented uh, some devices for uh, osteoporosis, you know, like uh, bone density. Uh, So he used his uh, knowledge of uh, physiology uh, and he asserted quite uh, boldly that uh, um, weightlifting and aerobics are a waste of time, you know, and he, he looked at the, um, uh, the body in a new way and, and developed a new system of exercises. So I've been using it on and off, but mostly on for, I, I'd say like at least a year now. And, uh, I must honestly say that uh, um, things that I would get injuries on, like my shoulders, I used to frequently, I, I was used to getting uh, shoulder injuries, even when I used like light weights and high repetitions. Uh, I've yet to injure my shoulders uh, using this extreme uh, bar and I'm handling a lot more uh, pressure so right now I'm doing that primarily for my like heavy lifting and it's just basic uh, exercises and you do one set. And again, that I had a lot of resistance uh, to doing only one set. Uh, it took longer to get through my resistance <laughs> and to actually you know, do the just one set. But a lot of my heavy workouts are done now in less than 15 minutes. Wow. As well, and, and so I think I think that's a, a wonderful program, and it's just simply because I think one of the worst things that uh, we can say, and this is not just involving you know with exercise, it's with anything. The worst thing that we can say is, well, this is just the way it's always been done. So right. I do think we need those innovators to come along and look at the science of everything and say, hey, I, I think we might have a, a better way to go through and do this. Some of those ideas may fall flat, but others may take off, and then you go through and you start doing that resistance training in a different style, and you start asking yourself, why haven't I been doing this all along? And I do understand the concept of the X3 bar, and I do think that it works very well in that – so for your listeners, you may see people, and they're going through, and they're working out with the, the rubber tubing. And, uh, and, and it, it may look kind of curious that that's, that's how they're going through and, and doing like their bicep curls. But um, just to explain the, the reason why those resistance bands uh, work so well, uh, whenever you go through, and so let's just say that you're going to go through and do a basic barbell or uh, I'm sorry, a dumbbell curl. So you're mm-hmm. going through and if you're going to achieve failure, more than likely it's going to happen. So if, you, if you're thinking of the body where you're positioned from the side, and so right. if your hand is, is pointing down at 6 o'clock, and then to, in order to do that, that dumbbell curl, your arm is going to go up to, let's say, uh, about, let's say, 130. 
So if you're going to fail, you're going to fail somewhere around 3 o'clock, and then your body is just going to give out. And then everything beyond 3 o'clock, everything to get from 3 o'clock to 1.30, uh, that's what they would consider to be garbage time, you know, where you're not going to get the, the full amount of the contraction as you'll get whenever you're first starting out with that lift. So that's when you're dealing with free weights. The, the resistance bands actually flip that, and so it's going to be real easy whenever you start your lift because those bands aren't being pulled taut. And so right. the, the farther that you get up in the lift, the harder it's going to be. So it's just a different style of contraction, and right. so it works the arms a little bit differently. So I don't think one is necessarily superior to the other, but if oh, you no, go through no. and you utilize both of those, now you're getting that peak contraction during all of your, your bicep curls. And so that's where I think it's important, like you said, to go through and, and alternate it. So maybe, you know, uh, this one week we're doing the regulars and then, then maybe we switch to the resistance band. So that way you go through and, and keep the body uh, right. guessing. So that way you can go through and get the maximum contraction. And that's an important uh, thing you brought up, keeping the body guessing. In addition to doing that, I also switch off occasionally, um, you know, when I'm not going for like a full 12-week cycle or something, I'll switch off. And one of the exercises I do often is one that you shared on uh, a previous uh, podcast, which is kind of like a pyramid with fives. Uh, so you start with a very lightweight, you do five, then you do five more, then you do five, five more until you can't do five. And then you bring the pyramid down, you know, uh, to the lightest uh, weight again. And I found that that gives me a phenomenal, unbelievable uh, pump, even though I'm actually just using heavy weights for maybe one or two of those five uh, rep uh, cycles. And the rest of them are with uh, light weights and I could definitely do more. But just restricting it to five and keep climbing the pyramid uh, on the upside and the downside produces remarkable uh, uh, pumps. And I do something, too, that uh, I, I just kind of developed this on my own. But I'll do light exercises with, with a lot of reps using, like, hand grips or D-bells or very light uh, dumbbells. And, or, and, I've used, and I've broken down, like, for instance, I've exercised for my fingers, for my hands, uh, for my grip, for my wrists, for my forearms, my biceps, triceps, and then whole arm exercises like uh, curl, uh, hammers and zotmans. So I really break it down specifically for those, you know, and, and uh, it takes me two to four days to go through my entire body. And I include things like voice in there and, uh, and with my eye exercises and, you know, so everything that I could think of eventually winds up in this rotation that takes two to four days. And I find that if I stop doing that, I don't feel as well, uh, you know, as I go through my days and also I don't have as much energy in my uh, uh, workout. So I, I keep that in. I, I do understand exactly what you're talking about. And, and for your listeners who might be uh, tentative or, or want to know yeah, how to get started or, or the reason why we do this, again, because I'm so fascinated by the science of it. And so I'm very interested in brain chemistry and how this all mm -hmm. works and, and all the different chemicals that our, that our bodies can create. And so within this, uh, I, I started to, I wanted to understand the science of it. And so basically uh, the human body, the human brain is capable of creating endorphins and endorphins right. are a chemical that is not tremendously different as far as the chemical composition goes to morphine. And so, but the difference is, is that uh, the endorphins that our brain naturally produces, they're, they're not addictive. Uh, they don't fall off over time. And so basically the, the, the idea of it is we've all heard the expression, no pain, no gain. And mm -hmm. so what happens is, so you go through it and you start your workout and then your muscles immediately start screaming and they're like, Hey, we don't, we don't like this. This hurts. You need to stop. And so whenever you decide to mentally push past that pain barrier, then your, then your muscles start screaming to your brain going, Hey, he's not stopping. And this really hurts. And we don't like it. So your brain will go through and compensate for that by going through and releasing endor natural endorphins to go through mm -hmm. and help mitigate that pain. Uh, runners will often refer to it as the runner's high. Bodybuilders yeah. refer to it as the pump. It is that, that, that expression from your brain that goes through and, and goes through and attempts to, to mitigate that pain as much as possible so that way your body doesn't go through and physically shut down. 
So what you're doing is you're mentally pushing through in order to get your brain to generate those endorphins. And then as mm-hmm. a result, you feel fantastic. You feel better. And this is why I highly encourage your listeners to go through and develop some sort of workout program that works best for them. But if they can go through and develop it in the morning, I've, I've done both. I've worked out in the evenings and then I've worked out in the mornings, depending upon you know my timetable. And I've found that I get better results throughout the day if I'm working out in the morning. One, there's less of a chance for something to come along and knock me off my schedule right. that will prevent me from going to the gym. Uh, and then it's, it's also, it tends to be a, a little quieter in the morning. You know, there's not as many people up and about. And there is a, a, a certain uh, a feeling of accomplishment that you get whenever you know you're leaving out. It's, it's still dark. The world's still pretty quiet. But you're going in there and putting in the work before the rest of the world work, wakes up. There's, there's something just tremendously satisfying about that. And so by going through and, and, in, and in doing this, I found that through going through and doing this study and going through and, and developing these things intellectually, it allows me to harness my mind uh, as well as harness my, uh, as well as harness my, my physical abilities. But mm-hmm. what I wasn't prepared for whenever I started on this journey, and I wish someone would have told me, I, ha- I haven't read about this in a book. Uh, you know, it's it's not something that they talk about. But one of the one of the tenets that I that I went I felt out of place whenever I first started going to the gym. I felt I was overweight. I didn't look like the other people that were there. Uh, so therefore, I was an imposter. I thought that everyone was probably looking at me whenever I was going to the grocery store and buying you know the protein powders and 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 the recovery you know the BCAAs and stuff like that. I knew that when the girl was checking me out, uh, checking my my groceries out, uh, she would be like, "Oh yeah, protein powder. Like you need this. Or you know, oh like you know, this is gonna work. Oh yeah, that that weight belt. You really need something like that." Uh, even though I I knew that these were my own fears that were going through. But by going through and doing this, the piece of advice that I got was making fun of an overweight person in the gym is like making fun of a homeless person at a job fair. They're exactly where they need to be. And I think there are so many people that can be intimidated uh, because they don't look like everyone else. And yet they're exactly where they need to be. And so what they need is rather than people making fun of them or, or making TikTok videos of them while they're struggling, uh, you know, doing the, these these gym fail videos, which I absolutely hate. Uh, you know, they should be encouraging, and so that's kind of one of the things where I do keep to myself primarily whenever I'm working out. But I, I will comment to someone if I feel like they're doing something that could result in an injury. Uh, right. That's always when I, I feel like I want to step in. But by going through and encouraging that person, even if it's just a simple a nod, a thumbs up, a, you know, something like that, you know, just that little bit of encouragement where maybe, okay, now they're going to come back tomorrow. They're going to come back tomorrow just because of that little bit of encouragement that they got. And so as a result, and so maybe, maybe your, your path and your development is not going along as, as, as well as you had hoped. Maybe the weight isn't coming off the way that you thought that it would, but you can still continue to see those intellectual developments, and you can continue to see those emotional developments. And that, that emotional development, this, this willingness to come in and sit down and, and talk with you tonight about this, I never would have imagined that would have happened whenever I started this journey six years ago, but I feel like the, the amount of pride that I have taken in myself, that I've developed because of, of all this hard work, it's not – in no way have I ever looked at myself and thought, man, I'm beautiful. You know, it's just more along the lines, I've, I'm proud of the person that I'm becoming, and I want everyone else to have that same level of love for themselves. You know, I mean, I'm the only person that I'm going to go on this entire journey with, so I better like myself if Very this good. is the person yeah. that I've got to spend the rest of my life with. So it's, it's kind of one of those things, that's all I want. So if I were to go to someone and say, you know, hey, come to the gym with me. I'll lift with you. I'll help you out. I'll train you. It's not because I'm going, hey, Tubby, I think you could stand to lose five pounds. It's because I want you to feel that endorphin rush. I want you to feel that level of pride that you get knowing, hey, 
this used to be my max and now it's my warm up. To me, that's one of the best things. That's one of the best feelings that you can, that you can experience uh, with work that, that only you can put in and make happen. And uh, we're going to have to continue our conversation, but, uh, and, and again, I, I think very highly of you and I will continue to think uh, very highly of you, even though you tend to minimize your skills, but even with writing and creativity alone, you wrote some of my favorite uh, uh, graphic novels on Greek mythology, <laughs> but that's another uh, topic. Thank you so very much for being so generous and for um, sharing your uh, journey with the Tenderfly Mayor's Wellness uh, Campaign. Uh, I post uh, links to the, uh, the Furian Strength, to the Phoenix uh, Protocols, um, and to your uh, podcast. And uh, thanks again for tonight, and I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation, uh, Ryan. I look forward uh, to it as well. Thank you. And how can people contact you and tap into your work? Oh, I, I think the way that you promote everything on Facebook is the absolute best way. I'm, I'm one of the world's worst when it comes to self-promotion, so what you do for me uh, is, is the absolute best way for people to find Thank me. you. Awesome. So, And you, you promoted tonight, which was great. I saw that, and I said, yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will well, talk to you. Thank you very much. Go I'm ahead. looking forward to our conversation later on this month. I've already got, uh, I've already went, even gone through it and done a little bit of research for whenever we talk next. Fantastic. I'm greatly looking forward to it. Um, and thanks to everybody who's joined us uh, tonight, whether you listen live or whether you visit us later on demand. Uh, until next time, this is us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. And know that the adventure never ends and that that's uh, a good thing. Uh, keep your mind positive and visualize where you want to go. Move in that general direction and amazing things uh, happen. We're going to close with Bran Kerdorian's King of Dreams.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.